just say it like this, you know, I was struggling and I was praying and I just wanted life. And I just had so many people that were praying and wanted life for me. And at the same time, you know, a hundred miles away, there was a young man who was, who was struggling with life too, but struggling with life in a much different way. Um, you know, he was struggling with some mental health issues and he decided that he didn't want to live. And I wanted to live so bad. And, um, you know, he decided that he was going to end his life, but by ending his life, he saved mine. You know, he, he, uh, his heart got transplanted into, into me in July of 2020. And he saved five other people that same day, July 13th of 2020. And welcome to the Three Guys Podcast. Tonight we have a special guest. We have CJ Fitzwater with us tonight. CJ, um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, CJ is a is a is is a local resident in the town of Salisbury. He's also on a board with me, um, and I'll do an introduction to CJ. But um, CJ is an all around great guy. CJ has been very helpful in uh, donating his time to help people, especially we had a. A big fire down here, and um, he's been on SCTV, and he's uh, been contributing with the Lions Club, and he does an awesome job. Uh, CJ's a great guy, and uh, you'll see more about him, hear more about him during the show. But before we want to do that, uh, Brian, how's everything going? Good, man. Good. You know, um, we as as probably all three of us got affected by the storm last weekend. Um, got through it. No, didn't lose electricity, which was good. Um, we have a generator here. Uh, one of the first ones we got when we bought our house, thank God. Uh, but we didn't have to use it, which was good. Um, the snow was the – I have a lot of friends in California. Uh, CJ, I, I represent uh, hotels in California, so I get a lot of grief when we live in San Diego when we get all this crazy weather. Um, but I was so happy that my snowblow was just good enough to get rid of the snow. My son helped out. Um, so it was good, man. It, it was it – was, and then I think we're getting more, more winter weather over the next couple of days. My daughter – or my son got school canceled for tomorrow – Kylie has delayed. So here we are. We're it's listen, man, it's January. It's New England. This this is why we, we have so much fun here. Yeah. Being frozen <laughs> solid. <laughs> All right, CJ. So we like to get the stop the show started with some pick ones. And the pick ones I geared towards you because I did a little research and obviously I know a little bit about you. So your pick ones are gonna be all things Ohio. Oh. Okay. Okay. Now, because the reason why, just so everyone understands, is because correct me if I'm wrong. You were born in Ohio, right? I was. Yes. Yes. How long were you? Did you live in Ohio for? Um, I lived in Ohio for 17 years. I um, my parents were divorced, so it's funny. But I lived, you know, half of my life in the Merrimack Valley growing up, and half of my life in Ohio growing up. So. Every summer I was in Lowell or Nashua or Manchester. And I know every, no one considers those so much the Merrimack Valley, but it's more the upper Merrimack Valley than the lower Merrimack Valley. But, okay. um, but I lived there for, for uh, 17 years of my life. Okay. So these pick ones, now they're not like either 
they're about Ohio or they were like movies that were filmed in Ohio or they were movies made, made about Ohio. Um, but they're, they're interesting little tidbits. Yeah. So okay. I'm going to ask, I guess, uh, do you follow Ohio state? Yes. Okay. So these questions won't be off topic. And I was at, uh, I was at the uh, Oregon game that they lost this year. Um, You're kidding me. Really? Yeah. That was a tough game. Horrible game. Horrible game. All right. So, we got a couple Ohio State questions here for you. Okay. Chase Young or Joey Bosa? Chase Young. Chase Young. Yeah. All right. Ezekiel Elliott or Eddie George? Eddie George, Heisman Trophy winner. Chris Carter or Terry Glenn? Chris Carter. Without question. Okay. All right. So now we're going to go on to these are going to be movies. Now, these are the movies were filmed in Ohio or about Ohio. Okay. Hey, Derek, can I tell my, my Terry Glenn memory from Ohio okay. State? Okay. So he, it was uh, Boston College was playing Ohio State in the Meadowlands. This was 1993. Whenever the last year it was that he played in Ohio State, must have been a senior. And he absolutely, I bet you could probably Google the stats he had in that game. But man, he tore up BC. Never forget, never forget. He was on the cover of um, at the day the Herald had that back page. I think they still do. Anyway, that was my Terry Glenn memory from Ohio State, man. He was absolutely a freak of nature there. I don't remember. I don't. I don't as much remember um, Chris Carter because I think he was a little before my time. But oh, Chris Carter was around that time. Chris Carter, major. Chris Chris Carter would do amazing one-handed catches. He would do unbelievable. I don't know. I don't. I think he was there. What he was probably the late eighties, early. Oh yeah, why mention? All Chris Carter did was catch touchdown passes. Exactly. That's that right. Just, just teamed up with, they That's teamed up with Moss. They caught oh, a ton. Some coach said that about him, right? All he does is catch touchdown passes. No, that was uh, uh, Boomer from uh, Chris Boomer oh. Chris B, uh, from ESPN. He used to. Yeah. Chris Halsey does his catch touchdown. There you go. All right. So these are movies now, CJ. Again, these are either filmed in Ohio or about Ohio. So if I say, like, well, what the heck happened to Ohio? It's because they were filmed in Ohio. Okay. Avengers or Captain America Winter Soldier? Those were filmed in Ohio? I did my research. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I would say uh, Captain America. Okay. Tommy Boy or Major League? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tommy Boy only because it was extremely close to where I lived. Okay. Now, this one, they're two, like, different types of movies, but they're probably two of the best movies that were filmed, you know, during our lifetime, and they were in Ohio, and the best in Ohio. So, I know they're a little strange. you like, why did they, they don't correlate? But okay. it's the only way I could put them together, because they're one of the best ones in Ohio. Shawshank Redemption or Christmas Story? Well, I'll just tell you this. Um, I've been to both places where they were filmed. I went to Ohio State Reformatory where Shawshank Redemption was recorded because I visited my uncle in like 1983 when I was eight years old. <laughs> at the Really? Oh, yeah. And um, cool, um, kind of a neat experience, but kind of haunting at the same time. And, um, and uh, I lived in Cleveland during the filming of um of a christmas story really yes so connections to both what yeah you had some connections to both then yes and um and i've been 
my grandmother um, lived on East 32nd Street um, and uh, where the movie was filmed is on actually it uh, they renamed the street Cleveland Street and it was Cleveland Street in the movie, um, but uh, was right around the corner from there. I, I got to say my Christmas story story. Okay. So okay. I so <laughs> Derek, I think I might have mentioned on this podcast or even told you Derek before. So we went. My dad read Gene Shepard's books. That was a, that was that's yep. that movie was about Gene Shepard's story. So my dad was a huge Gene Shepard person. Anyway, yep. we went and saw that in the movie. We went to the theater and saw it. Right. The theater was empty. There was nobody in the theater except four right. of us. And I'll never I'll never forget it to this day. And the other thing is, I was his age in the movie. I was in the second yeah. grade, I think. Yeah, I was like, I was like third or fourth grade. So anyway, I just I, every time someone mentions that movie to this day, I'll never forget going to the theater. Nobody was in there, and the next thing you know, the things are from the, 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 it's like the biggest movie ever, other than maybe Christmas right. Vacation. So, have you been to the? Uh, have you been to the house? Yeah, the, house, was, the current house. Yeah, I was. I mean, you can go in there and visit and stuff like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> funny story. It's just like uh, Christmas Vacation, February of two thousand and twenty. The last sort of trip I took um, previous to my heart transplant, I I took my family to Cleveland and I wanted to show them around. And we went to the Christmas tree, I mean, the Christmas story house and we pull up and it's closed for the week uh, for repairs. I'm like, oh, that was my oh. like, uh, like, <laughs> like the Griswold, you know, like what? Like I'm knocking on the door. I'm like looking in the window. Um, but it's pretty cool. They have a, like a lamp, the lamp in the window and it's set up and the neighborhood. They've really done a good job that the, the, the house, I think sold on eBay originally. And somebody paid like whatever they paid for it. I don't know how much they paid for it. It sold on eBay. They restored the entire house. He bought a house across the street. They restored that. And then there's a bar that's like on the corner that they restored. So like the whole little block there has been all redone um, with uh, with uh, Christmas story houses. But wow, Cleveland man. is by far one of the best cities you'll ever visit. Most beautiful, yeah, great city to visit. Interesting. Everyone, really. I love to talk to over all by hipsters. Yeah. Well, it's funny if you fall. I can follow the uh, Christmas story house on facebook so i can see when they're okay. opening closing i know they closed the other day because the snowstorm so it's a good way oh, of yeah. keeping track before you make your own trip <laughs> so Derek, i guess the question is <laughs> yeah and so Derek listen follows, i follow everything follows michael myers in the christmas, <laughs> christmas and i i also follow one of the best and uh steakhouses that's only one left it's in columbus york steakhouse yeah, York Steakhouse. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to that York Steakhouse in Columbus? Uh, no, I've never been to the York Steakhouse, but I've heard you talk about the York Steakhouse. On oh, CJ, the last one left. When they come interview me about Derek in about 30 years, I'm like, yeah, I knew it the whole time, man. I knew it from when he was this young. I knew he was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> CJ. You know the neighbors are always like, no, he's not. The, nope. I'm like, yep. Yeah, you brought I up the York you brought up the York Steakhouse. I'm like, oh man, I never even been at the York Steakhouse. I hope you don't ask me about the York Steakhouse. No, uh, you know what? I I don't know if it was something. See, you know, me and Brian remember it because grew up around here. It was Methuen Mall, and I used to love the York Steakhouse. I remember going there just at the the buns, and they have everything similar 
to the last, this the last one is in Columbus. And I just, I love it, but I don't know if it was something that you were into or, you know, you grew up with. I would just tell you this. When you're a kid, you used, you used to go back home to visit like ex-girlfriends and go to the bars drinking. And then eventually you get to the point where you only go back for people that died funerals. Yeah. And now the only time I go back is to grab something to eat (laughs) because, you know, all the places that you miss, you know, so you, so like I flew in, my uncle died in Cleveland. I flew into Cleveland. I drove down to my hometown. I ate at all the places I wanted to eat at, went to the Ohio state football game, drove back up, got on the plane, flew home, you know, but so you. you, you live close to where you grew up. So yeah, drive to Haverhill or wherever you. Go. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Uh, I yeah. still miss the York Steakhouse. I can drive to one of these days. I'm going to take a little ride to Columbus to taste in the the old old CJ, York I'm gonna, Steakhouse. I'm going to buy Derek's childhood childhood home and make that a museum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, you know what, CJ? <laughs> you did Well, I guess we get back to the question. What is it? Shawshank Redemption or Christmas Story? Shawshank Redemption only because, uh, you know, um, because I've had uncles who've, you know, lived there and I've had uncles that have died there. So when did they shut that place down? They did. They shut it down in the 90s. It's the 90s. And and, um, it was a historic building. They actually it was still a prison when they shot Shawshank Redemption there. But um, but it's. but uh, I had an uncle who who died there in 1975. I never met him. That was the year I was born. And I yeah. had, uh, and I had two un- three uncles that were um, were incarcerated there. And no we- kidding. Yeah. So so you know so it was kind of like you know a special trip to go to. Uh, we called it Mansfield, and that's the town that it's in. So we'd go up to Mansfield and see Uncle Tommy or Uncle Mike. So, so you knew that prison pretty well. Yeah, you know it was always an adventure, you know. So it was kind of all right. So the next one is shows. So here's one of them: Drew Carey or Third Rock from the Sun. Um, Drew Drew Carey. Yeah, I figured. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was the Drew Carey show. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know Third Rock from the Sun. It was filmed. Yeah. Know. Oh, it's about Ohio. It's one and of the I two. Think, I think he's from Cleveland, Drew Carey. Yeah. Drew Carey is, yes. Yeah. Um, WKRP in Cincinnati or Family Ties? Um, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati is just it's just a classic, you know. And actually, Howard Nesman, I think he just died the other yeah, day. Yeah, I just passed away yeah. the other day. I saw that. Yeah, but WKRP in Cincinnati is one of those shows that would come on when you were like, it, the show was on from 78 to 82. So the show would come on and you'd be like, uh, you know, you'd be like, uh, you just didn't want it to end, you know. You know, the music Sonic. was, the music took you right in the song. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny when, uh, what's the, uh, you know, because I used to watch him ahead of the class. That was yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was his show, yeah. He yeah. was good. Yeah, it was excellent. It's too bad. Yeah. All right. Um, this one's kind of, you know, it's a shot in the dark, but I figured, you know, it's two greatest players. 
LeBron James or John Havlicek? Well, John Havlicek was arguably the greatest player in uh, Ohio State basketball history. But LeBron James, man, that guy, man, that guy, that guy made the whole city, you know. And and I rooted for him with my sons, you know. And John Havlicek was, you know, before my time, you know. Well, I agree. You know, and he did play for the Celtics. So it, it's, you know, between Havlicek and, and, and LeBron, I, I don't know. It's a t- That's why I said it's a tough one because in a sense that it's not really for you because LeBron James, what gave Cleveland its first championship. So, yeah. yeah. And Havlicek played in 62, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. So, I mean, he, he was, that was, you know, I was 13 years before I was born, you know. John Havlicek was, you know, in Ohio State then, you know. And, but um, when I, I've had this actual argument with somebody. That's why I know some of the information on it. And, um, but LeBron James, man, that guy is, um, that guy is unbelievable. He's the GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Yeah. See, everyone has their opinion. Got the tar- but he's got the titles. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, yes. that's up for debate whether everyone likes, I mean, if you ask everyone in Boston, they'd say Bird was the best player. If you ask anyone in, Chicago in the Midwest, it's Jordan, and anyone on the West Coast, it's it's uh, Kobe. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, I'll just tell you this. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, Shaq was the most dominant player I ever seen until until um, LeBron came in, and I mean, that guy just was dominant for you know seventeen, eighteen years. You know, mm. just yeah. All right, CJ. Last one, and we'll get we'll get you started on this. And this one's a. These are two famous people. One created something, one accomplished something. Um, Neil Armstrong or Thomas Edison? Well, that's an extremely unfair question. Um, uh, I'm going to go Neil Armstrong. And um, the reason why I'm going to say Neil Armstrong is because Neil Armstrong actually was born and raised and built a museum the next town over from where I was oh, really? raised. So I've met Neil Armstrong. He's, uh, you know, I've been to his museum. I know his biography, like the back of my hand. But, you know, Tom, you know, Thomas Edison was a brilliant man. And, you know. Where would it be without, where would it be today? Right? Yeah. I mean, even though people say that he stole all of his ideas, you know. Yeah, and, well, that could be the case. You know. But, you know, he was, uh, if he was anything, he was a great marketer if he stole everything because, I mean, look at us now. I mean, yeah, but none of this stuff is possible without, you know, the way. That exactly. We have a Zoom meeting right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, CJ, thanks for, well, I'm glad you went, you went with that. It's a bunch of questions. We got a little off topic, but CJ, I'm going to do your intro and then when I get you started, I'm talking about, this is, I think this is a. This is a very, I know it's a dear subject for you. And, I, you know, I want to hear more about it because I think this has to do with health these days and, you know, life being short. So, but with that being said, so you're CJ Fitzwater. You're a VP of America's Auto Auction, Boston. You're a community servant and a hot transplant recipient. CJ, thank you for coming on and playing our pick one. So, CJ, we, I think everyone understood you. You know, you grew up in Ohio, and you were back and forth. We, we did get that out there. So 
you know, if you want to tell us about yourself, how you got started in the, in the car business, and then we can lead up to the day that you actually had to find out that um, you needed a heart transplant, which um, that I know when I talk to you about is very uh, tear to your heart, literally. Oh, um, so I got in the auction business purely by accident. I, uh, I needed a job and the auction needed somebody that would clean cars. And I took the job, started cleaning cars when I was 18 years old. And I just continued in the business and did everything my boss asked me to do and helped build a, you know, very successful auction that, uh, that, um, I'm still at today, you know, it, it, you know, it, it was, um, it's at one time it was the largest independent auction in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Um, we're not so much independent now because of some, uh, because we connected with a group of auctions and partnered with, so we're not considered independent anymore, but, um, very fun very interesting business. I love it. I've always loved it. The first day I was on the job, I said, you know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I hope that I can continue to do this the rest of my life. It was, um, it's, it's fun. A lot of energy. I negotiate for a living. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really cool, it's really cool to do, you know? So that's, that's, that was your first question. Yeah. I so I mean, and, and I know when I when I spoke to you last, well, not last, but I mean, when I spoke to you, you know, we met. I know during COVID, and um, you recently came on one of our boards, and we've had I've had multiple discussions with you, which I yeah. find interesting. But uh, you mentioned, you know, how you found out. You, you know, you, you know, it's right around COVID that you actually had to go into the hospital. Am I correct? That you know, you were for the yeah. For so the- so March. Uh, so February 2020, I was visiting the Christmas Story House that was not open for business, and then uh, uh, a, m- a month later, in in March, March 11th, I was walking up a set of stairs, and I just I couldn't breathe, and I'm like, man, I think I got COVID. You know, the whole COVID scare is going around, and um, and I said to my boss, hey man, listen, I need to go to the hospital, just get a check. I drove up to uh, Manchester, New Hampshire is where my doctors are. Um, I, I go in, they have this whole big tent thing set up. It was real like crazy back then. It was like the whole like, uh, outbreak element still. Everybody had like the full suits on and, you know, it was very, you know, COVID the whole COVID thing was in its infancy, you know? And, uh, so I, I, I roll up, I take a test they say, Hey, we're going to have you go in here. We're going to do a couple of, we want to do some blood work on you. Cause you're not feeling well. And I said, okay. So I, I went into this other section of the, you know, uh, quarantine area and they, um, pulled some blood from me. I'm in there waiting. I know that it's going to be a week or so before the COVID test comes back anyway. So I'm like, you know what, forget this. I'm going to leave. They got my blood. If there's an issue, they'll call me. So I'm driving home and they call me up and say, Hey man, you had a heart attack. And I said, no, you gotta be crazy. I didn't have no heart attack. So they're like, no, you had a heart attack. So they said, you need to come back. So I come back. They stick me in this, <laughs> they stick me in this clear like room for 10 days till my COVID test came back, which came back negative and um, did a bunch of 
they couldn't really do anything because no one wanted to touch anybody that was potentially a COVID uh, patient at the time. And after 10 days, they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give you an echocardiogram, which is a pretty simple thing, but they couldn't do that until I came back negative. Go in, have an echo. They said, "Ah, we don't know. We don't see anything. You seem like you're okay. I'm like, okay. Um, Talk to my doctor. My doctor said, we, we think we want to put a, uh, we want to put a uh, pacemaker defibrillator in you. We think that's going to fix you, but we can't do it right now because we're not doing any, anything because of COVID. But meantime, you know, I'm sick. Like I can't breathe. I can't walk. I I'm walking with a cane. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, barely functioning. You know, I'm, you know, I couldn't drive for, 10 miles without having to stop and take a nap. I couldn't do anything. And, and these doctors are just telling me, you know, don't eat any, don't eat Chinese food. Don't do this, you know? And basically I went in, they, in May, which was two months post, I'm in and out of the hospital just from being just, you know, sick in May of, uh, they did the pacemaker in New Hampshire and I come out and I'm still miserable. And my doctor says, Hey, listen, there's nothing we can do. Like, you know, we're going to just put you on some, uh, some water pills and just keep the water off of you. But basically, you know, uh, you know, this is your life, you know, and I, geez. So I had a good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Bill Curry, who's one of the owners of lion wall auto group who said to me, listen, I'm going to get you connected. Um, with Tufts, you know, at the time, you know, hospitals in Boston were taking new patients, but he goes, I'm going to get you connected with Tufts. He snuck me into Tufts in May and I went in and they said, you know, you got a serious problem. We need to do some further tests. I, at that point, I'm scared. I, I, I know that I'm in a bad place. Check out of the hospital, go to Seabrook Town Hall, get my marriage license <laughs> so my wife can see me in the hospital. We weren't married at the time. That makes sense. No marriage license. Go back to Tufts. Check in the Tufts. Um, Tufts says to me, you know, uh, they said, we're going to put you under. We're going to do a test. And um, and when you wake up, um, you know, you might have some stuff going on. So they put me under. Needless to say, I woke up. I'm on a I'm on life support, um, basically. Wow. And this is June of 2020. So I'm on life support. They said, listen, you need a heart transplant. You know, there ain't nothing you're going to be able to do. So I said, all right, fine. I'm in the ICU. Uh, I married in the ICU to my wife. We did her, you know, vows and all that stuff. So get married. I'm just waiting, you know, honestly. And I don't want to take up too much time, but no, 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 CJ, this is your forum. Yeah. So so we're, so we're on. So, um, you know, you're in there for a couple of months and you're struggling and you're, you're struggling and, you know, you go to the darkest places that you can imagine in life. I mean, you cry out for death. You're just in complete misery. You can't do anything in life. You know, you're, you're, you're in a real tough place, but fortunately for me, I was, younger i was healthier um i had a history of of good habits i didn't smoke or drink and you know i had a lot of i had a great support 
system of people locally and my family. And we, um, you know, I'll just say like this, you know, I was struggling and I was praying and I just wanted life. And I just had so many people that were praying and wanted life for me. And at the same time, you know, a hundred miles away, there was a young man who was, who was struggling with life too, but struggling with life in a much different way. Um, you know, he was struggling with some mental health issues and he decided that he didn't want to live. And I wanted to live so bad. And, um, you know, he decided that he was going to end his life, but by ending his life, he saved mine. You know, he, he, uh, his heart got transplanted into, into me in July of 2020. And he saved five other people that same day, July 13th of 2020. And, um, you know, this kid signed up to be, um, an organ donor in, um, when he was 16 years old and his family had to make such a difficult decision on taking him off of life support. And there's only a limited amount of time that you have in between um, the time that the brain dies and the time that those organs become non-usable and his parents. And I can only imagine the struggle his parents had to make that decision and they made that decision in time to save my life. Um, and, and, um, and that's something that, that, uh, is, is, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy for you to think about is somebody that, um, you know, that had gone through that. I, I talked to the father, the father, <clears throat> we connected, um, we connected a few months later in October of 2020 by letter and we correspond with each other. And uh, the father said to me, you know, you know, CJ, um, you know, Dominic was my best friend and I, and I talked to him every day and he says, do you mind if I call you? And I said, you call me every day. And, and we talked just about every day. Um, good family. Um, um, took a while before I could talk to the mother, took her a year to come around. And in July, the anniversary of her son's death, we finally connected. And, um, and the deep sorrow that, that this lady take, and she's our age, you know, she's, you know, 46 years old, you know, the deep sorrow that she holds on to from the loss of her son is just amazing. I mean, I mean, it just, I just can't imagine the pain, um, but great people have built a great relationship with them. I love them. And honestly, um, the, the really cool thing about it is, is um, I had the opportunity um, post transplant to take a year off from work. And, you know, I've been working since I was, you know, had a paper route at 14 years old and, that gave me the opportunity to really get involved in the community and, and everything that I do, you know, I try to do in remembrance of who Dominic was because, um, because Dominic, you know, he's, he saved my life, you know, you know, his, his heart's pumping right here in my chest right now, you know, um, we do, uh, 
we do a couple of walks every year. Salisbury has a local event, uh, Tortoise and the Hare, and I always have a team in memory of Dominic, you know, because I can walk that, um, I can walk that uh, 5K or run that 5K and, and, you know, because of who Dominic was, you know. So, and and we're both, we both, uh, you know, you're active in the SBBA and the SBBA does a great every year where they have beach cleanups and I'm there at every one of them and I'm wearing my Donate Life shirt, you know, just to, you know, to bring recognition to, you know, the, uh, what Donate Life stands for. And, and that's uh, registering people to be organ donors. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's extremely important, um, you know, for people to be aware of just how powerful it is to be able to continue your legacy through somebody else. And, you know, and I always, when I always create a team, I always call it Dominic's legacy because I have the opportunity to extend his legacy and his life through my heart. And I tell everybody that I can about it, but that's basically my heart transplant story. So CJ, I mean, you were able to get a heart transplant relatively quick considering yes. during COVID. I mean, did you think at that period of time that you're going to be in that hospital for a long period of time or how were you very fortunate that, I mean, that, that's that, that I mean, journey you're talking about during a pandemic, now you're you're jumping in. I mean, did they go by like who needs it the most at the time, or you know, I mean, how long would you have been able to go on without without the heart transplant? There's a lot of questions in there. You know, I know, I know. I'll, I'll answer them as uh, I can dissect them. Um, so, question one is a real good question. Um, my only experience of really knowing somebody that needed heart transplant was this dj from new hampshire his name and he, and he was originally from saugus but he was on rock 101 and his name was road was it road no andy blacksmith was his name and i remember like he was always on the radio and he was talking about how he needed a heart transplant and you know, he was going through the thing and he was hoping for you know a donor and you know unlike um organs in order for you to get a heart transplant, somebody has to unfortunately die, you know, you, you know, it's unlike a kidney or a liver where you can, you know, you can have a, a live donor. Um, and Andy Blacksmith ended up dying, um, in 2017 waiting on a heart transplant. And the whole time I'm in the hospital, all I'm thinking is, man, they couldn't find this DJ, a heart, like there's no way they're going to find, you know, some, you know, you know, some kid from Salisbury, a heart, you know, they couldn't find this DJ a heart, you know? So I was so scared and so nervous. And, you know, you're at that place in your life where um, I find it a blessing. Um, I eliminated every, every skeleton in my closet. I made up with everybody. I mean, with my, you know, with family that I had issues with, I made sure that my children all knew that I, I apologize for anything that I ever, ever did bad. They apologized. We cried. And my children man, were in that hospital every day with me. And we were just going through things to make sure that nothing was left unsaid. So for me, man, and I got 
nothing out like with my parents, with my kids, every, like there was nothing, even my ex-wife. I mean, we had a beautiful teary conversation about, you know, um, you know, about, you know, what we had gone through and we weren't really close, you know, because, you know, we went through a divorce, but so you get all of that stuff out. And I just, I was at peace with the fact that I was going to die. I mean, really at peace, like this is it. I'll, I'll go. So, um, I wasn't a smoker and I wasn't a drinker and I never did drugs those. And I had a tremendous support system. I had a whole, like, uh, they had like this GoFundMe, and they had just like all these people around that were just so supportive of me. My job was supportive of me. Um, and, and the, I think the thing that they look at the most is, um, and there's a committee, there's a God committee that makes the determination on who's going to get a heart. The things that they look at are. What, wait, hey, TJ, what is, what's that committee called again? Well, I, I call it the God committee. Because oh, okay. I, I, I like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it really, I mean, that's really what they are, but it, what it is, is it, it's a, it's a team of, uh, you know, you have a cardiologist, you have a, a psychiatrist, um, you have a uh, dietitian. There's um, there's all kinds of you. You have a communicable disease person in there, and what they all do is they evaluate you constantly when you're listed, and they are the ones that make the determination on uh, when a heart becomes available, who's going to get that heart. And um, I was extremely sick. I was on life support. I had this machine pump in my heart, so it would take a a, a group of three people to get me up to walk each day. <laughs> I would get up and walk around that entire ward twice a day. And I knew every doctor's name, every nurse's name there, just so they knew that I was serious. I had this friend, we went into the hood when we were like 18 and he loved to play basketball. And we we're like, you know, we're two just like white boys and we wanted to play ball. And I remember my buddy, uh, they wouldn't let him play because they used to think he was like a cop. So he would run around the court and he would, um, he would yell at him. I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. So I remember that when I was in the hospital, I'm like, they let him play. So I remember that in the hospital. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to run around this, this ward, this ICU unit at least twice a day to let everybody know that I'm still here and that I need a heart transplant. I don't know if that played into it, but the real, I think the real reason why I was so fortunate and so lucky is because I had a history of good habits and I um, had a great support team and I was young. I was 45 years old, you know, that, that must've had something to do with it. Um, so, um, so I was listed technically I was listed on June 14th and I had a heart transplant on July 13th. So, um, Wow. So I was, I was only listed a month, but, um, uh, but I, <clears throat> on July and early July, they had said, um, that I, I had gotten to the point I had six or seven surgeries to keep me alive. And at, at one oh. time they had flatlined out, they had read me my rights. Um, you know, I've, I've, I went through so much when I was in there and they, uh, they said, hey, listen, we're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to put an internal LVAD in you. 
And then once we do that, that's going to take you off the list. And it pretty much extends, um, it extends my wait time until I'm healthy enough again to get a heart transplant and get relisted. And then you got to go through like a whole different process. So on July 6th, July 7th, they had told me that they were going to bring me in. And, you know, it was looking pretty bleak for me at that point. I was either going to die or I was going to have to go on this new machine. And uh, on July 7th, they said, hey, we're going to just take a couple of days. Well, on July 7th, um, my donor um, had um, his his situation had started. He had um, he had uh, he had committed suicide um, on that day. So they had a feeling that there was going to be an opportunity for me to have a heart. So they didn't tell me that I was going to get a transplant, but at that point, they, they changed their, they changed what they were, you know, the direction they were going to head into. So I was lucky. And I was right at the end, I believe, you know, but you know, I was, I was at peace when I was there. So so, it's, such a, it's such a powerful story. I, you know, you were talking, so one of the things you mentioned a few minutes ago about how you, how do you think you got determined on whether you're going to get it or not? It made me think of a movie that I watched just like last week. And I had not seen it before. It's an old movie, Seven, Seven Pounds with uh, Will Smith. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No. It, it, you, should, you should see it. it, it it'll, it'll, it's interesting. But I won't go through the whole movie, but, but a, a part of it is him determining i don't want to give the movie away but part of it is him evaluating people's um their uh, their right to, to 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 live they all have something going on one of them right. is, is a heart one of, one of them needs a heart transplant as a matter of fact yeah um and that plays a key role in the movie Derek, have you seen it no i haven't no. yeah you should yeah take take a look at it if you can but my but point I think is, is seven seven pounds is like what the body weighs with all the water and stuff out of it is that yeah right? i don't yeah, it, it might, but but I think I, I think I've seen it actually. Now that I think, about yeah, it. but there's a part of it where he is talking to these people and trying to find out if they if they're you know good if they're good people and if they would you know live their lives as good people and maybe that's something that they saw in you, CJ, as someone who was going to be a, a a good person and and live a good life. It's, I never thought of that. I've never been a part of anything like that. Obviously. Hope never have to be, but um, it was interesting. I thought it was kind of a, a weird movie. Now that I think about it, maybe maybe that is something that they do. They look at these recipients and you know the, the long term benefit of, of what comes from it. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think you know, you know, for the for a lot of these hospitals, and I don't want to be philosophical, but a lot of these hospitals, their determination on <clears throat> on who they're going to save. And 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 part of the determination on how they're funded is their ability to have success in what they're doing. Um, so I think they look at each person and they say, okay, this guy right here is gonna be somebody that's gonna that's gonna survive and has a better um opportunity to live and to survive um from a transplant. I think that probably has more to do with it than anything, but we all like to. We, I think we all like to give ourselves a little more credit than we actually deserve. <laughs> so sometimes I say to myself, they gave me a heart transplant because they like me, but I probably had nothing to do with it. <laughs> they just looked at me as like, 
that guy's a good investment. That guy can, that guy's going to get us funded because he's going to be a survivor, you know? Exactly. And let me tell you something, honest to God, I talked, I'm, I'm a guy who talks to everybody. I mean, you ask Derek, we're in a meeting. I get up after the meeting, anybody that's there, I give them a pen. I just tell them my story. I say, hey, my name is CJ. And the same thing when I go to clinic and stuff at the hospital, I talk to everybody there and I honest to God have the greatest heart. I had no rejection post-transplant. Um, I've, um, I feel like so healthy right now. Um, I golf a lot, you know, I golf better than when I, you know, pre-transplant, um, you know, there, you know, it's, I have so much energy. I mean, I did, I, I was technically sick from the time I was, you know, a little kid until I was 45 years old. So this is the first time I've actually had a healthy heart probably my entire life. So I just feel like that. So are you saying that this was um, hereditary or was it something you yes. had? So um, I was diagnosed at 28 with a, with a bicuspid aortic valve um, cardiomyopathy, which is uh, an, an enlargement of the heart. Um, I, there was a delay on, on replacing my heart valve. Just, it wasn't an immediate need, but when I was 39 years old, I had my first open heart surgery. I had a, um, a heart valve replacement. Um, a year later, they did an echo. My doctor told me, doesn't look good, kid. You know, um, you're going to eventually need to do something different. They talked about, you know, artificial heart pumps with me. They talked about um, needing a heart transplant. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, uh, <clears throat> I said, I don't need none of that. And everything worked good. I mean, you know, I, di I didn't feel any symptom. I never felt a symptom in my life until March of 2020, you know, and then, um, you know, the doctor was right, you know, eventually I was going to need a heart transplant and it turned out I did need one then, you know, but you know, that, you know, those doctors, you know, those doctors gave me a death sentence. And, um, the one thing that I learned is, um, you know, there's some great doctors in this world and, and I, and I think they're amazing, but, um, you know, if, if a doctor tells you that you're going to die, you, you got to go find yourself another doctor. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, I had a doctor that told yeah. me there's nothing we're going to be able to do for you, you know, and didn't recommend me anywhere. He just recommended me to go home and die, but you know, I, I mean, that's scary. That's just plain yeah. scary. I mean, you're oh, yeah. basically saying your life is going to extinguish it, you know, quicker than you'd want it to. And, 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 and that's, and there's nothing we can do. Well, at that time you're going through it. You're like, please life end. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. done. Like I'm sure. the pain, just all of that stuff is just, it gets, uh, it's just unbearable. You know, I, 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 um, like I said, you go to some really dark places, but you know, um, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. I went through all of that. I'm so really thankful because I really got such a great perspective on life. And I'm so grateful 
for the life that I have. And, um, you know, you know, I never had a regret previous to having a heart transplant and I don't have any regrets post heart transplant, you know, that, that God gave me a, a, a defective heart, you know, and I'm glad that I went through what I went through and you know what? I, and I reflect back on it and it really wasn't that hard. You know, the doctors did all the work. <laughs> God bless them. So, so CJ, we talk, we talk a lot about on this podcast um, about purpose, you know, what our purposes are. A lot of our guests range from so many different backgrounds. And so talk a little bit about what you saw as your purpose pre-surgery or pre-transplant and then how you look at it. Now, I know obviously you're more involved now and you, you feel like you need to donate, but kind of talk about a little bigger picture of what you saw yourself doing pre-transplant and what you, what you doing now. Well, I think uh, you're, you're a father, right? You have two kids. I have two kids. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was always a, you know, a coach and a, and a, and a dad and um, you know, those, you know, when you're in that element, I mean, that's, that's all you're, you know, that's all you, that's all you do. You know, you're a dad, you work, you, you try to create and leave a legacy for your children. And your legacy mainly is um, that you want to leave as a legacy of, you know, of value, you know, you want to leave them a nice, you know, um, inheritance, or you want to leave them a nice house, or you want to leave them, you know, you want to leave them something, you know, you want to leave them some gold, you know, but I think, you know, after going through something like that and then coming through it and not believing that you're actually going to come through it and fully convinced that, you know, your life was at the end, um, you learn that your legacy is so, is so much more. And, and your legacy is about, um, how people feel about you. Um, the, the one thing that you learn when you're going through all that is that people generally, or some people genuinely really love you. I mean, the people that came out to support me, um, was just, I mean, it, it makes you almost emotional thinking about it. And, and, you make every deal you can with God when you're sitting in that room. And one of the deals with God was, is that I was going to, you know, work my butt off to, um, to help people if I got through it. And, you know, that's what I do. You know, I, if I see an opportunity to help somebody, I want to help them, you know, and, and, uh, we have a great community here. I mean, the, you know, my neighbors lined up on the street, for me, when I pulled up after going through the heart transplant, everybody had signs in the yards and, um, and I just, I don't want to let those people down, you know, um, if they need something, I want to help them, you know, if, if, um, so that's basically it. And I, and I, and I love people. I really do. I love people. And, uh, you know, there's this kid that, uh, that's in town here. His name is Mike Colburn. And, this might sound crazy to you, but you're in the hospital, man. And what do you think about? Well, I mean, what would you think about if you were in the hospital about your house? I thought about my lawn because I mow my damn lawn, right? So you're in the hospital, you're looking at your nest camera and you're looking at your grass growing. But this kid in town, his name is Mike Colburn. This guy come to my house every Thursday, mowed my lawn. 
if I had a if I had a doctor that was coming in between three and four on a Thursday, I'd be like, hey, man, give me a couple minutes, man. And I would just watch him mow my lawn, man. I'd sp- sit there for that half an hour while he's mowing my lawn and just watch it. Hey, you know, and I, I, I just I, you know, that brought me so much joy. And that guy gives so much to our community. And I give a tenth of what that kid does. And, um, you know, he's amazing. And, uh, you know, he's really. I got out of the hospital and that guy took me by the hand and said, come on, man, we're going to, you know, we're going to do some things around here. And we had, uh, you know, and he just brings me along for the ride. I always, I, between you guys and me, I don't I hope no one else hears this. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I bitch at him all the time. I'm like, why are we doing this for? Come on, man. I got stuff to do, you know? And, uh, but he, uh, he brings me along and makes me do all this stuff. So I can't take too much credit. I got to give all the credit to him, you know? Well, Michael is, um, I, I see him around town, you know, and um, he's yeah. unbelievable too. Michael yeah. Corbin's an awesome guy. You know, he's awesome. He does a lot. You know, you, you and I see you both, he's working together. I, I mean, I was going through some of your Facebook and I see you, you're both up in Plaster, New Hampshire in front of uh, one of the grocery stores with the Salvation Army. Right. Uh, that's what doing, ringing for dancing for donations. And I see you guys at the Lions Club. Yeah. You both do an awesome job. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and I can see, you know, I remember we, when I first, we, we were talking about it and you had mentioned, who you were before, you know, the, the, the transplant and, um, yeah. you know, and who you, who you are now. And, and right. I found it to be, and I think when people see that, you know, you're like, when that day comes where you're like, Oh, wait a second, I may not be on this earth much longer. Um, what I wouldn't give to, you know, to say, Hey, you know what? I want to extend it. I want to live. And right. um, you change who you are. And I know you've mentioned that many yeah. times, how you change who you are. Oh yeah. Instead of chasing the dollar, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you really get a different perspective, you know, no, I'm, you know, hustling for dollars my entire life, you know, since I was a punk kid, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, I had the, uh, you know, you had the, you have that moment, man. I mean, if I was my, if I was my uncle or my grandfather, or, you know, I'd be dead, you know. I mean, they they didn't have the technology to do what they did for me when they were, you know, when they were men, you know, when they were, you know, they didn't have that technology. They didn't. Have, the great thing about being in Boston or being, you know, in the hospitals in Boston is they have like the greatest newest technology. The heart machine that they had me on that kept me alive long enough to get a heart transplant was like I was like the first guy on it. You know, it was like the newest, greatest thing. And you get in Boston, new, the newest, greatest thing, because you got the technology, you got the, you know, all that great stuff, you know? So anyway, so, but the probably answer, some, it's, it's probably some 16 year old from MIT that built it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know, it's easy to build off of that. I mean, I think you were, you were obviously very fortunate that you were in the state of Massachusetts where we have one of the best health, you know, healthcare and hospitals in, in, the, in the country. Right, where you can get that top-notch service that can keep you alive, and you know when you need to do the surgery, you were in the best place to have that surgery. Oh yeah, oh. CJ, CJ, who was the who would who was the cardiologist? Did you have a local cardiologist that you would like to give a shout out to? Um. So. Um, so. Um, or more than one, obviously. I know, I'm sure you had a team. So the car. So I have a team. I have a transplant team at Tufts Medical Center, and that's where I was. Um, the cardiologist leading up to me needing a heart transplant, uh, 
um, great guy, but, um, but, you know, he gave me a death sentence, you know, he told me to go home and die, you know, basically, I mean, um, so I don't want to give anybody a shout out. I'll don't give, give that part. Don't give that one a shout out. Yeah. I'll give the, I'll give the heart <laughs> transplant team at Tufts medical center, yeah. a huge shout out. You know, I mean, um, this team, um, this team came in and, uh, and sometimes they told me things that sucked and I didn't like it, but I knew that I had to suck it up and do exactly what they said to do, because these are the people that make the decision on, you know, whether or not I was going to get a heart transplant. And, um, you know, um, I would, you know, and, and I just want to say, um, a good thing about Anna Jake's um, hospital. I know a lot of people may have opinions on them, but I tell you what, I went into that hospital um, and they were smart enough to know that I didn't belong there. And they sent me to Tufts right away. Um, you know, uh, but, but Tufts medical center is the greatest hospital in the world. I think and you show we, the importance. Uh, I think you show the importance of getting second opinions as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, right? Any type of, I mean, sometimes they'll ask you have you have surgery that you don't necessarily need. There's other ways you could have had, you know, to to get around the situation or to 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 solve the issue. Not always cutting someone open is always a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I I don't think I've ever had a surgery that. Well, I mean. You seem like you had quite a bit of surgeries. I mean, I, I didn't realize had, the amount. I've had a tremendous amount of surgery. <laughs> However, I've never had a surgery that I probably don't think I needed, you know? <laughs> no, no, I just, but I'm talking about yeah. in the sense of, you know, your knee, you know, you hurt your knee. Someone's saying, well, you know what? The only way to fix your knee is I got to cut you open. Well, right. is there rehab? Is there other ways I can do that? I think it works both ways is what I was trying to get at. Right. Getting exactly. a second opinion by selling someone saying, listen, you have no, you're going to die. Well, wait a second. Yeah. That doesn't sit well with me. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to get a second opinion and then vice versa, getting an opinion where people say, yeah, I was cut you open. That's what we're going to fix it. Well, wait a second. Is there other ways to do that? That's what I meant. I was getting. It was, it was, it was bizarre because you, because you believe it. I had to have somebody. I had to have somebody from the outside say, Hey man, don't, why, why do you listen? What is wrong? Listen, this is where you need to go. I had a guy, he literally made my doctor's appointment for me. Um, this is a tremendously successful human being, too, who probably could have done anything else he wanted in life. And this is the person we probably give the shout out to. Yeah, that's <laughs> Bill Curry, which I said. And, and he, Bill Curry, is, you know, one of the owners of the Lionwall Auto Group, BMW Peabody. And, um, yeah. you know, he, that guy, he, <laughs> that guy saved my life, man. And, you know, he, he told me, he said, um, you know, you owe me a lobster salad sandwich, man. It's a lot of lobster salad sandwiches being owed. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was a great guy. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, just, he just didn't allow me to, um, he didn't allow me to die. You know, he made the doctor's appointment for me and, he would have came and picked me up and drove me there. And I'm so glad he did because that they, I mean, you awesome. 
That's awesome. You got yeah. a lot of support, yeah, staff. Man. A lot of support around you. A lot of support. Amen. You know, that's what you needed at the time. You know? Yes. You know? So. How long did the um, surgery last? So, um, so it's interesting how that all works, you know? Um, so a donor becomes available and a donor can save eight lives with their organs. You got, uh, you got two lungs, you got two kidneys, you got uh, a heart, you got a pancreas, you've got um, a liver that can be separated and, you know, a liver regenerates itself. My donor happened to save five people. He gave uh, somebody his left kidney, gave somebody his right kidney. Uh, he gave me, um, he gave his lungs to somebody. He gave his liver to somebody. He gave me his heart. Um, uh, there's, um, there's, there was 39,000 transplants the year that I, um, had my heart transplant. And that was in 2020. There's, um, 22 people that actually die each day that are waiting on mm -hmm. organ transplants. Wow. Um, you know, there's currently like 107,000 people that are listed waiting on organ transplants. Um, the largest number of people are waiting on kidney transplants. Uh, fortunately for people waiting in kidney transplants, the technology is, is so, um, and you know, you know, between, you know, uh, dialysis and so forth, they can live a long time waiting for a kidney transplant, not a quality of life that I would want to go through, or I would not want anybody to have to deal with, but, um, the, um, <clears throat> I went through all these numbers and I can, sort of kind of lost track of what we were talking about. Oh, so how long did surgery last? I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. So what happens? I was following you. That's crazy. Yeah. So what happens is, is, um, you know, a donor becomes available. Um, each doctor that is going to perform whatever transplant it is, liver, kidney, heart, lung, they actually, the, the surgeon, they actually go to the human cadaver or donor and they actually harvest the organs and they bring the organs back to the recipient and they actually put that organ into the recipient so my doctor um so i was put under at 1 30 in the afternoon on um july 12th 2020 um they said to me, they said, hey, listen, we're going to put you under. You might wake up and not have an organ transplant. We have one a year um, that it happens. So you get put under, you wake up and they say, hey, you're, the heart didn't work. So what happens is the doctor goes to the, to the donor, investigates, checks the heart, determines that it's good, healthy, ready to go. They take the heart. They... Uh, take it out of the body, they bring it to you and, and they have to wait as they have to wait until the other organs are harvested. They wait till the kidneys are done. They wait till the lungs are done because the heart, you know, keeps the blood flowing. You know, they can't, that's gotta be the last organ that goes. So by the time that they got back to Boston with my heart and they had left at one o'clock in the afternoon was nine o'clock at night, nine thirty at night, the transplant was done at, 2.30 in the morning on July 13, 2020. So it was 13 hours that I was technically uh, under. So, so that was, 
13 hours of being under, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how long the surgery was, but you know, if they got back at nine 30, that gives you two, four, five, six hours. Um, I mean, aren't you technically dead when they pull your heart to do the transplant? They pull up, aren't you like, yeah, I mean, they, they, they have you on a, a heart lung machine, which okay. your heart, your lungs, but you know, I had died, I had died, um, between, so I had, um, different heart pumps that they had put in me to, to sort of, uh, keep me, you know, they had each heart pump expires in time. So I had one, which was one that expired within like a few days. So they put me under, I ended up flatlining. Like I said, um, you know, my Catholic priest came in and he read me my last rites and it took me, I was out for, you know, quite some time, a week or so. And I finally, you know, they had me incubated. They had me come back and they're like, Oh, do you know what happened to you? And I'm like, no, they're like, Oh, you, you were dead, you know? And, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Um, I just couldn't even just imagine it, but um, my, Oh, I can't fathom that. I can't even think of it. It makes my me sick. It makes me sick. Up. Just thinking about it. My Catholic priest came in and says, Hey, you know, um, you know, Hey, we, you know, we read you your last rites and, and, you know, and uh, I mean, that, that was a tremendous uh, experience to just uh, having the Catholic priest uh, building a relationship with him and just having him pray for me each day. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I had a prayer card from St. Jude and, and uh, you know, I would say the prayer every day and it was just, uh, it was just, um, you know, a very, you know, religious moment for me. Uh, the, um, <clears throat> It was uh, some heavy duty stuff. Um, they always like people say, "Hey, you see the like the white light?" Or um, yeah, that's my next question. Yeah, you know, so, you're dead. Well, so the bizarre thing is, I, I don't, I don't know about all that stuff, but I had some kind of visual hallucination that was so real, and I don't know if it was heaven or not heaven. But the bizarre thing is, is I. Mean, you think about the best time of your life i mean what age do you think about it as like me it was like i was six years old you know yeah and i'm in i'm in my dad's you know 1977 gremlin and we're driving to a breakfast place to have breakfast you know and that was that's what i saw when i was in that place you know that was the the vision i had you know and and having you know uh you know, sausage gravy and eggs, you know, I mean, that was what I saw. I don't know. I mean, it was, they probably had me all juiced up on all kinds of drugs. So it was probably the drugs that, that gave me the vision, but that's what I saw, you know? And I, and I think about it in my sense, I think about it in that sense, like, you know, if heaven was a place, like, is that the place that it would be? You know, I'm six years old, innocent, happy, joyful. Yeah. See, I can tell you, I can tell you Derek's place. Derek's having plays. When he, when, <laughs> unfortunately, you know what it is? It's 4th yeah. of July. It's 4th of July. He has his flip-flops on, and he's doing that long walk to the beach. Yeah. That's his place. Yeah. Just walking to the beach. 4th, 4th of July, around noon or so. It's on a loop. It's, it's a good 95 degrees. Yep, it's on a loop. And and going around doing, in circles. He's doing that walk to the, to the beach. Well, the CJ, yeah, I mean, sorry, right now, if that's what it happens, if that's what happens when we die, and you, yours is in a vehicle with your father, and mine's on the beach, and listen, yeah. I guess I'll be happy, you know, you know, when I, when I, if it does, when it does happen, I will be a, uh, 
content individual walking back and forth to the beach like that. No, if it's the other side, it's it's on a, it's today outside. <laughs> yeah, I won't be happy. <laughs> well, what what's your what's your uh, what's your idea of heaven? Um, yeah, you know what I was? It's funny that you said I was. Um, I was thinking that those teen those teenage years, man, when when you really didn't have any worries. Like yeah. my daughter's age right now, she's she's all going crazy because one of her friends broke up with the boyfriend, and the boyfriend likes her. And I'm like those yeah. those ages, those those ages like that that 12, 13, My son's now same age. You know, like yeah. you're just kind of becoming aware of what life is, and you know See, that's that to me is I, that I, that fun age. I like CJ's idea. Six years old, I'm getting up on Saturday, watching my cartoons with the bowl of cereal. Yeah, no responsibilities whatsoever. I could take a nap right afterwards and no one's going to care. Like, where are you? No one get in touch with me because there's no cell phones back in that time period. Yeah. I think it's the perfect time. I could eat the cereal and not have to worry about the sugar that's in it. Right. You know? Team just yeah. seems so stressful. Yeah, it does. It's just too much for me to handle. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. My, no, my, my, you, know you know, mine is probably my, we have, my wife and I, the last couple of years, we've gone to, um, we've gone to Provincetown. It was this beautiful place that overlooks the, the Provincetown Bay. It, I had, yeah. We took a picture of it. We framed it, put it in our bathroom. That to me, having that that tranquility—that's the word I'm looking for. That tranquility. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, CJ, what what an unbelievable story. Um, and I hope people that are listening to this um, take, at the very least, like I feel like I'm doing, is is to feel like, hey, you know, it's you're never you're never out of the game. You know, you really got to keep searching, keep doing your due diligence, keep asking questions. If you don't like what you're hearing. Find someone, not, not to even wait to tell someone you want to hear, but, you know, go through and check all the boxes, you know, and again, we, we talk about that all the time on this podcast about um, remaining, staying motivated and man, we're, I'm, I said, we've never met before, but just hearing your story and I'm visualizing it as you're going through and my dad had heart surgery uh, before the pandemic and uh, he had, he had a double bypass, double or triple bypass. And um, I just remember seeing him there and how helpless he was before the surgery and how blessed and lucky we were. Um, he didn't have, you know, obviously we didn't have to go through this. You had to, but still it's just life is fragile. You know, we, and we've oh, learned that I've learned that um, go through the pandemic. I feel like probably we've all known people that we have lost over the last couple of years, whether it's to the pandemic or not. Um, but seriously, I mean, we're hearing your story motivates me personally. Um, I feel like sharing the story with, with my kids and hopefully before we started recording, it sounds like you're going to start maybe getting on the public more. Do it, CJ. I think your story needs to be told. I think, I think hopefully we'll start with it here on, on, our, on our podcast. Um, but really, it is, it is motivating. And, and um, I'm, I'm going to add certainly you to, to my prayer list and the young, the young gentleman who, who helped save your life. And there's no reason to say his name, but I'm going to add the him and his family um, as well. It's, it's such an inspiring story to hear, CJ, where you're at and what you've been through. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you must, I mean, de- developing a kinship with the family, but you also have developed a kinship with the donor who you now have living inside you. I mean, that's got to be very, very powerful. It, it is, you know, I, I, um, you know, I'm connected with his family on Facebook. I, mm-hmm. I see his children who are. Oh yeah. Children too. Huh? Yeah. And, um, and uh, I mean, I feel like I know him, but, you know, I don't know him and, and I, um, you know, it, 
you have a certain amount of guilt. You know, you don't want to like I, I put on some weight. The medicine puts some weight on you, you know, and uh, I I feel like when I see his family, I'm like chubby and I'm saying to myself, geez, you know, I feel guilty that, you know, that I'm not necessarily the best steward for who their son's heart went to. But, you know, I think I think they appreciate me, you know, um, and you always you always have a responsibility to be the best person you can be for who he was, you know, and I and I always try to remember that, you know, um, sometimes I say stupid stuff. We all say stupid stuff. But I always think, you know, you know, I got a responsibility, not only to my family, but I have a responsibility to him. And, uh, you know, and I don't know, you know, how things work in this world, you know, but I do have a certain feeling that, you know, um, that he might have chose. He might have had the opportunity to choose me in his own way, you know. Yeah. By the, well, sound, by the sounds of it, I think he would have, CJ. Well, it shows the importance as well for being an organ donor. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, without organ yeah. donors, you're not, yeah. you may not be around here. Yeah. yeah. When we, when we publish, when we work on marketing this episode, we'll have to get some of those links and, and put them out on some of the um, cover art that we, that we do. Yeah. Um, and I don't share those with you guys. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you know, send, send any way to donate, you tell us, you can tell us at the end of this podcast, how you donate and anything we want, anything you want to, to promote that's what we definitely want to do and um yeah. the only other question i you know i wanted to ask is and it's kind of pertinent is how long was your recovery time i mean how long before you were back up and was it was it very intense um you know um so the the record for post transplant um discharge from the hospital is 10 days i was 11 days Post transplant, I was one day off from the record, but um, I just wanted to get the hell out of there. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just Guinness book of book of record. Yeah, but I missed the record. But um, but so I get home on you know eleven days post transplant, and I could barely you know I get out of my car. I have to say a speech to all the people that were there, and I you know, can barely make it up the little hill in my house to get into my house and get up the stairs. It was just very difficult. But, but um, in December, the first week of December, I drove to Florida. So that was, you know, four months post-transplant. And then by, um, by May, in May of 2021, I, I golfed 18 holes and that day I felt like I was recovered. So it was, it was really uh, 10 months before I felt like I, you know, it was 10 months before I could golf 18 holes, but yeah, I, I met you around nine time. holes the week before and carried and carried my son's bag while he golfed. Too, so that was it. Yeah. So 10, so 10 months. Yeah. I remember meet you. We did the beach cleanup that, that day in May. And I remember we, yeah, we, we were discussing that, and I didn't realize how, you know, soon you were recovering from a heart transplant. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you've, uh, you know, you get up and you 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 know you you get up and you fight. You know, um, 
you know, it was, uh, I always, I, I, I hate it hearing people's stories and I hate it to accept the fact that, that there was, I hate it to accept the fact that I was going to struggle with life. And, um, I had, uh, I have my company that I work for that they kept me involved. Every sales meeting that we had, I was on the zoom with them. And if I miss one, my boss gave me shit like, Hey, where are you? You need to be in this meeting. Like that shit was important. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't mean to swear, but no, that stuff fine. was important. That stuff was important. He knew that that stuff was important. My boss, Jim Lamb, he greatest guy in the world. He knew that that stuff was important to keep me engaged. And that really propelled me to go hard. I mean, most of the people I talked to, it was years, two years. Most of them never returned to work. You know, I mean, I had the opportunity. My doctor said, you don't have to go back to work. Why would you go back to work? And I said, because I need to have that. You know, I need to have that purpose. And part of the reason, you know, that I'm on a board now is because I took a year off from work and I needed something to do. So need <laughs> yeah. a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, Good, purpose. For you, man. purpose. Good for you. That is but, awesome. Yeah. Such an yeah, awesome definitely. story. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So CJ, what um, you know, definitely give us a shout out if you want to promote. I mean, essentially, you know, about donating, uh, about organ donors, whatever you want to talk about, give it to us. We're gonna this will be on there. We'll add it to our links to the spot to our um, we upload this your your, your episode. Yep. So definitely share. Yeah, that. I'm gonna. I'll give you guys the links. But I mean, it's really. I mean, to register to be an organ donor, it's real easy. Um, if you're a, a kid, which um, I would recommend any new kid that is getting the license, you know, sign up. Um, you know, there there's so many stigmas on um, on you know whether or not that they work hard enough on somebody that is a donor, um, but technically they care for you even better um, when you're in a, in a bad state and, and a, in a state where you're have the potential to be an organ donor. Um, and um, the uh, you know, just want every kid just to, you know, as you get your license, you know, you know, you have the opportunity to be an organ donor, you know, just sign up to be an organ donor. It's real easy. You know, when you're in a bad state, you know, when somebody's in a bad situation, they look at your license, they make determination that you're an organ donor and, you know, they care for you very well. And you have the opportunity to extend somebody's life like myself. There's a guy that lives on Salisbury Beach right now that has been waiting on a heart transplant. And, you know, I love the guy dearly. He was he was. He was listed for a heart transplant before I was listed for a heart transplant. And uh, before I even needed, knew I needed a heart transplant. And, um, you know, I talked to the guy and I went in with excitement and, and, and I'm telling him about my experience and how grateful I am and when I'm with you. And the guy looks at me and goes, you know, my doctor told me that I'm never going to get a heart transplant. And I, and I just at that point, I said to myself, geez, you know, I mean, you know, that's just a horrible, horrible feeling, you know, and, and I love the guy dearly. Great guy. Um, he's, you know, unfortunately going to die needing a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. Now, 
as you guys know, there's two major news stories about heart transplant that's been in the news the last month. One is that they transplanted a pig heart into a human donor, which is kind of cool. It's somebody that didn't qualify for a heart transplant, um, which is quite interesting. And the guy's still alive. Um, and the second story is the guy who um, was unlisted for a, a heart transplant because he refused to get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, part of, you know, being a good candidate for a transplant is the fact that you listen to your doctor. And if your doctor tells you, you should be vaccinated, you should probably get vaccinated, especially if it's going to mean your life. Right. Mm. So, it's almost like an alcoholic, right? You can get a liver transplant. You can't drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So if the doctor says you can't drink, then you're not a good candidate. Why are you going to give a, a, a good liver to someone? Right. And they're going to abuse it. Then you've wasted. That is, that is a major thing. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, hearts, you know, the same thing, you know, um, you know, you have part of, you know, a heart transplant and especially a heart transplant is you got to be healthy enough to receive it. You know, if you got a failing kidney, and a failing liver and a failing heart, you know, they're essentially not gonna, you know, uh, waste something as valuable as a heart on somebody that, you know, is probably not sure. gonna survive the surgery, you know? It's gotta go to the next in line. But boy, what a hard decision that would be to make, huh? Yeah. Would, oh, yeah. Decision? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, who yeah. do you choose? Yeah. I hear, I hear. Now, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, you know, just to if talk you about your experience, you can, you can reach out to me. Um, um, one one other thing, registerme.org uh, will allow you to register to be an organ donor, become an organ donor. The oldest living organ donor, 93 years old, liver, um, was, a, was a liver uh, donor. Okay. So you're never too old to be an organ wow. donor. Good to know. Um, interesting. The oldest actual organ donor was 103, donated their eyes. So wow. it's not a, you know, a critical organ, but it is still an organ. Um, but you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm on Facebook. My name is CJ Fitzwater and, and I'm, uh, you know, CJ Fitzwater, Facebook.CJ Fitzwater, um, you know, and, uh, and my email address is, um, cfitzwater at ymail.com but the best thing is uh, to find me on facebook and like me and and uh you can be annoyed by my post because i'm you know. no i think you'd be a great person to tell stories to people who who think that you know you know life is something they shouldn't be taking or they don't take it seriously or they don't value it and you can go around and tell people that you know what how it's changed your life uh yeah. help someone who's going through the same maybe going through the same thing and help them um, right. guide them through the process. So you have a lot I to do. offer. Very inspirational. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine that, that I talk to daily. I met him. Somebody said, hey, listen, I got a friend that's going through, needs a heart transplant. Call him up. I called him up. I encouraged him through the whole thing. You end up getting a heart transplant. We've become good friends. Never met in person, but uh, we've communicated and talked a ton on the phone. We, we talk a lot, you know, um, you know, I love that. I love that ability to, you know, minister to people, you know, um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm not a clergy guy or anything, but, you know, I minister, I swear I'm a, you know, I got a 
you know, bad mouth, you know, and I sort of consider myself a Renaissance man. So we can talk about all (laughs) kinds of stuff, you know, but, um, but, you know, I minister to them in my own way, you know, (laughs) (laughs) anything else um, for donating or thank you for having me on your podcast. I think you guys do a, do a terrific job. I told you guys before, I like your, your whole vibe you got like the whole uh sort of nerd slash um hipster cool vibe thing going on not that you're nerds but you guys nerd you just out you just described brett with every every one of them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my brother he's not on yeah yeah, no. I mean, you guys got a real good balance. And I you think describe you guys are, Derek too. You guys I, I'm telling you, CJ. I mean, th- from start to finish, just listening to your story, it's just been so. Yeah. It's just like it's it's you know, hit it, you know not it hits home, but it's like it's like wow, I can't believe this, and it, you know, I'm, you're caught into your story, and it's just like following step by step. Mm-hmm. It had me from start to finish, and um, it's it's a story about life and health, and you know, being yeah. alive, and you know what you went through, and how you. You you managed to get through it and having purpose, like Brian said, I, I think it's fantastic. And um, you know, share. You're gonna give us the links. We'll share them on our our, you know, our platform so people can go to them if they have any questions um, or they want to donate, um, anything like that. But uh, CJ, I really appreciate you coming on. I just want to say one more thing. Thank you for having me on. And I always say this to people: always make plans because if you got plans, you can't die. So I always had when I was in the hospital. <laughs> I love it, man. CJ, playing. it was so awesome having you on. We so yeah, CJ. It. Yeah, CJ, stay around. We're gonna Brian's gonna close it out for us, and then we'll um we'll um we'll go from there. Yeah. So th- th- first, thank you again, CJ. Your story is hopefully will be inspiring to all our listeners. Um, I always, we always do the rundown on how we're doing with our performance. Over thirty. 500 downloads. I was screwing up on some of my, my Yeah, it was my like 3,500, right something like that. So, um, and, and we're going to have more inspiring stories like CJ. We're going to have some more familiar guests be coming back in season two. Uh, Brett is, like all of us, Brett's busy, um, but you know, we're going to get these out and edited. Check out our YouTube content, Instagram. We're on every single social platform. Um, not every single one, because it's probably a thousand. So we're on like four of them. Um, so we pre, but we appreciate it. Keep listening and liking and connecting. Uh, please send us any um, guest ideas. We're open to everyone. Um, stories like like CJ to me, um, I think need to be told. So we appreciate it. Have a great night. Peace. You know what, CJ? Before I do cut uh, end this, you did you're, you're starting your own podcast. You want to give a quick shout out to that? What you're going to be doing? Yeah. So our podcast is uh, is uh, SOS. Um, it's um, Sons of Salisbury and. Um, though I'm not a son of Salisbury, we are, our muse is Salisbury and, and the people of Salisbury and, and, uh, the, the residents of Salisbury, cause we got so many interesting people out there. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that, that's what we're doing. We're just doing a, we're doing a cool little a cool little uh we got a studio we got uh we got a bar set up in there and you know we're gonna... your release date anytime soon or are you looking still right now? uh yes yeah, so um our release date is going to be uh let me just look at my calendar here because we just made that and make sure you get you share information on that we'll share on our all of yeah our, we're gonna we're gonna platforms share about your uh your podcast so our 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 release date is 
February the 11th, 2022 is when our first podcast Excellent. will be. Now you're going to be on all platforms, you know, or how do you? Yeah. So uh, that, that's the plan is to be on the platforms and, um, and YouTube and, um, you know, it, it's sort of a learning curve. I mean, everybody's sort of doing these podcasts out there and um, they're fun. And, you know, um, and they're a good time and it's a good thing to do when you hang with your, with your buddies, you know, and, and that's what you guys are doing. You guys are. Exactly. CJ, if you need help with anything, you just let me know. Anything I I can do to help you. Brian can help you. Brian does the YouTube content. Brian can be very helpful with that. Uh, My brother, he does all the editing. He can help you with any, if you have any questions about that. Um, You know, if you're on the platforms, hopefully, you know, if you're on Spotify, we're looking for you. Um, but um, yeah, best of luck and hopefully everything works out and you can, people can listen to you already been helpful. get history of uh, Salisbury but um, yeah thank you again CJ I appreciate you coming on and uh, I want to wish everyone a good night until the next episode thank you to the team at 78 Brutsky Productions for putting together another great show of the Three Guys Podcast and also to our listeners we appreciate your support